This special presentation of Earth 295's award-winning documentary, The Age of Apocalypse, is brought to you by the Janet Van Dyne Foundation for This One's for Hank, with financial support from Patreon backers, and additional support from viewers like you. If you'd like to know more about Multiversal Q, visit us at multiversalq.com, or engage with us on social medias in all universes. Enjoy. Episode 3, Landing in Bristol. She's my one and only darling Jean. Sometimes, I think my love for her is the only thing that keeps me from sliding back into that wild redness. That howling, killer animal state they pulled out of my deepest subconscious back in the project. Sometimes, I'm afraid that what she feels for me ain't love but some kind of gratitude for that time way back when I busted her out of the pens and threw down with Summers. Weapon X. Jean Grey had grown into maturity under the watchful eye of Magneto. She was devoted to developing her abilities as a psychic until the fateful moment where Mr. Sinister kidnapped her from Wondergore Mountain. Brought to Sinister, she was intended to join his team, but she refused and was regulated to life in the slave pens until her rescue by Weapon X. But despite the horrible conditions that she lived in, she held a respect for all life on Earth. As a result, she was horrified by the idea of allowing her former home country to be destroyed by the Human High Council, even with the aim of killing Apocalypse. Here we have Jean Grey as this very interesting character. Even from a young age, she had struggled to control her powers. She understood the dangers of being a mutant. And yet, even seeing the absolute horrors that were done by Apocalypse, Sinister, and even the Armies of Infinites, she didn't want to risk innocent lives to have those enemies destroyed. And that compassion, that heart, I feel like it was something that was missing from Magneto's team after she left Weapon X. But... I, I respect her choices and what, what she did. Distraught over the prospect of mass murder, Jean left the Human High Council chambers in Big Ben and headed west to Bristol to help the refugees coming in from the Sentinel airlift. Weapon X found her shortly after and attempted to change her feelings toward the High Council's methods, but Jean's humanity refused to allow her to move past the idea. Their argument was interrupted by the appearance of Brother Jeffries and Sister Carlisle. The pair were members of the Brotherhood of Chaos who had snuck in with the other refugees. Armed to the teeth with weapons smuggled onto the Sentinels, they began an assault on the crowd of innocents, in turn allowing a small force of cyborgs, known as the Reavers, who were led by Donald Pierce to slip past the security defenses. Once the Brotherhood was defeated, Jean had made her decision to warn the mutants and humans in America about the upcoming attack on the United States. While Logan pondered his feelings, 
The three Reavers launched an attack on the human High Council airships, pulling Weapon X away. As Weapon X stood over the remains of the fiery wreckage from his battle, Gene telepathically said goodbye. The Missing Rasputin Colossus Legend has it years ago, him and his brother were Russia's greatest heroes. Back when there was a Russia. Before his brother became an horseman of his lord and majesty, Balyared now would die apocalypse. He made his way to America after the horror started, and offered his services to Magneto. Mind you though, he seemed content to keep us trainees at a constant boil. It's pretty obvious to everyone involved, this is not a happy person. Jonathan Starsmore Pyotr Rasputin had moved from Russia as a teenager to join Magneto's team, leaving behind his older brother, who would become the horseman Mikhail, and his sister Ilyana. Pyotr was a fighter, fueled by a burning passion for those he loved, wrapped up in techno-organic steel. He sought to teach and train young mutants together with his partner, Catherine Pride, another former student of Magneto's, who possessed the power of intangibility. Ironically, though, Pyotr's idea of survival that he bestowed to his students was tempered by Apocalypse's world, and therefore didn't differ much from the survival of the fittest ideals of Apocalypse himself. Now, Pyotr, he had a lot of really different ideas from that of Magneto. Instead of Magneto's attempts to train his students using things like the Danger Room, he made his students actually fight, and sometimes it seemed like he wanted them to fight to the death. Now, whether or not he wanted them to actually try to kill one another was a bit unclear, but he still had a much darker and more brutal approach than anything Magneto ever wanted to do. But he always lived in Magneto's shadow and always wanted so hard to become Magneto and become a much bigger beacon for the mutant resistance. Then, when Magneto visited with the news that his sister had been found and was now required to save the world, Pyotr jumped at the chance to rescue her since he had previously believed her to be dead. His team of young mutants were sent to infiltrate the Seattle Core, the large West Coast electric plant where the enslaved humans strangely worked for some greater unknown cause, digging deep into the earth. His team, known as Generation X, were sent in quietly. Two members, Jonathan Starsmore and Angelo Espinoza, entered in as new workmen. Vincente Sameta, and Paige Guthrie, who herself was an escapee of the ray that had indoctrinated her older brother and sister, worked together to replace Quietus, the head of security. A fifth team member, Mondo, entered the base itself using his powers to merge with materials, hoping to find and remove Ileana. Meanwhile, Pyotr and Catherine were stationed locally, acting as a backup while working with Claudia, a mutant able to directly interface with computers. The Outcasts. The show. Offered free of charge to the relatively few humans who dot this Midwestern landscape and ruins once known as towns. These are the survivors of the cullings that Apocalypse ordered to reduce the unnecessary human population. So what could be worth leaving the safety of their locked doors to brave the night? Only a little laughter in their otherwise humorless lives. Nate. The outcasts, as they were known, were a band of mutant actors traveling across the country, bringing joy into lives of those left behind, while also seeking to save whom they could from the forces of Apocalypse. Forge, their leader, was a cyborg and a headstrong man 
who had previously rejected Magneto's offer to work together. Now he led the outcasts, including Sauron, a humanoid pterodactyl, Toad, a deformed but erudite actor, the Brute, an escapee from the slave pits, Mastermind, a mute illusionist, and Nate, a psychic who is mysteriously discovered by the group. The outcasts were an interesting group of mutants. Using Mastermind's powers to manipulate what other people saw, they were able to put on these very elaborate shows, and yet they always tinged them with the reality of the world around them. Which made sense, because if they were able to pull off amazing costumes and things that were unbelievable, that would draw the attention of not only the uh, humans who were watching the shows, but it would raise questions for Apocalypse's troops in the local area. But they did a number of shows, mostly based on what Toad wished to do, which often ended up being Shakespearean plays and other classic standards. Forge's discovery seemed to have been shaped by previous meetings with a temporally displaced version of Nate. Nate's relationship with Forge, along with Apocalypse's desire to capture psychic mutants, meant that Forge was devoted to keeping Nate from using his powers, training him to survive and live without them, which the youth rebelled against. After a guerrilla attack against a group of infinites, the party adopted Teresa Cassidy, a Scottish mutant who had ended up in the United States, and a mysterious man named Essex. Essex, unbeknownst to the rest of the party, was actually Mr. Sinister, who had secretly developed Nate as a weapon to use against Apocalypse by combining the genes of Scott Summers and Jean Grey. Essex began training Nate to use his powers, which in turn attracted the Eye of Apocalypse, while also awakening Brute's mind to recognize him as Sinister. Sinister, realizing the dangers he would face if revealed, killed Brute moments before Apocalypse's troops reached their campsite looking for Nate. Starcrossed. I look into my brother's eyes, and all I see is hatred and resentment. And when I stare into the faces of the prisoners, I see only fear. Why am I surprised? I'm the monster to them, the embodiment of their pain and misery. I was proud to be a soldier of the Ascension. I believe in the superiority of the Homo sapien superior, but now I see no strength in this institutionalized cruelty, no virtue in the oppression of the weak and infirm. I've risked freeing the few prisoners who might make it north, but there are so many. Scott Summers in the slave pens, recent disappearances had raised the alarms for Alex Summers and the Guthrie siblings. Mysterious breakouts had been occurring for a few weeks when Alex finally received a stroke of luck when Lorna Dane was left behind during a rescue. Dane, who had been driven mad even before she was abandoned by Rogue, believed the Liberator to be Magneto, a man she also believed to be her father. Alex, wishing to get to the bottom of the mystery, brought her to the beast to plunge invasively into her mind. When Scott discovered this, he went to her rescue, claiming it was a violation of the Kelly Pact, before he returned her to the pins. Now the big questions and mysteries around Lorna Dane. No one actually knows where she came from, and no one actually knows if she was the daughter of Magneto. When her powers and memories were taken by Rogue, Rogue would go on to have an incredibly strong connection with Magneto himself. This connection and her magnetic powers go to emphasize that she could be 
the daughter of Magneto. But there was rumor that Beast proved that she was in fact not. That night, as a mysterious figure returned to free Lorna, Alex discovered the mysterious Liberator to be none other than Scott himself, a fact that Alex planned to use. Meanwhile, Jean Grey had arrived in America, breaking into Sinister's lab, hoping to find a way to destroy Apocalypse before the Human High Council's attack, only to be captured by Alex Summers, who delivered her then to the Beast. When Scott discovered this, Alex came to the false conclusion that his brother had been working against Apocalypse since he originally fought Weapon X over Jean Grey years ago, and in turn sicked the Guthries against his brother, who was soon captured and given as a guinea pig to the Beast. That night, as Alex celebrated, Scarlet Mackenzie, the singer in heaven and Alex's secret love, was outed as a spy, and, due to sudden nausea, was unable to escape arrest by the Bedlam Brothers. Meanwhile, in the labs of the Beast, Jean and Scott worked together to escape. With Scott now outed as a traitor, and the Sinister still missing, Alex was promoted to his brother's position, looking after the pits. Avalon. Cast off your doubts, and your leap of faith has been rewarded. It will be purest pleasure to guide you from this place to the haven where those such as us may be at peace. Avalon. Cain Margo. It was an impossibility, both physically and ideally. A lush jungle, paradise in the middle of the Antarctic, where humans and mutants were able to live together in harmony. Led by Irene Adler, also known as Destiny, it was a place free from the toils of the outside world. The few that could reach the location often had been left with nothing, forced to surrender their belongings to the pilots of the Infernal Gallop. But those earthly belongings were worth the price of admission for those seeking to enter Avalon. Avalon was the last verdant place on Earth. The Earth had been so destroyed, we were left without forests, without a majority of plants, and almost all life on Earth itself had been annihilated because of the cullings, the raids, and even people just looking to survive. And so here was this place where children who had grown up in this Age of Apocalypse might actually have seen green for the first time, might have seen fresh water, might have seen people who wouldn't know the hate that Apocalypse had for the world. When Kurt and his mother approached the entrance, they were greeted by a mountain of a man known as Cain Marco. Cain was the stepbrother of Charles Xavier and had been a violent man. He had been empowered by an ancient magic, but the loss of his brother and recognition that he had become an entity of destruction forced him to reconsider his path in life, and so with others he found peace in Avalon, though ultimately he was a paper tiger. Adler's son was the unifying force of the community, a boy named Douglas Ramsey, whom she had adopted. His mutant ability allowed everyone to understand one another, but Irene was unwell as dreams and visions of the destruction of Avalon had started and soon the reality of her visions were uncovered. The Pale Riders, a group of Apocalypse's soldiers that had followed Kurt's entire journey to Avalon, were a dysfunctional group led by Emma Steed, whose temper had led her to kill another member, Danielle Moonstar, 
a particularly sadistic mutant. Upon touching down in the verdant oasis, though, Emma's heart changed and she found herself defending the land against the last member of the Pale Riders, who was known as Dead Man Wade. Wade was an insane and highly violent mutant who sought only to lash out against the world, struggling for understanding. During the struggle, Kane's mind suffered an aneurysm brought on by his own internal conflict over resorting to violence and he died. With Kurt's help, though, Wade was decapitated and defeated. Emma, Kurt, Mystique, and another new resident, known only as Switchback, prepared to take Irene back with them to meet with Bishop to verify his story. The Arrival of Apocalypse Fools! This is the time of your undoing! I have waited centuries for this day to dawn! And who, if any, are worthy enough to oppose me? None of you! Apocalypse By tracking the actions of Clarice Ferguson, also known as Blink, Apocalypse had been able to find the location of Magneto's base in what had been Salem Center, New York, and with it, Magneto and his family. After the Shadow King's attempts to torture, the information about the base's defenses out of Shankoy Man proved fruitless. Apocalypse simply launched an assault on the mansion. Apocalypse basically had two goals. He wanted to destroy Magneto's heart while also destroying the man himself. He sent in his mutant teleporter, Telford Porter, who tried to port in a bunch of infinites to try to distract Magneto, while Porter tried to steal his son Charles. Now Magneto, he knew he could easily destroy the infinites because they're made of metal, and he knew this was just going to be a bit of a distraction, and this is when Apocalypse finally comes in. Now this is the first time we get to see a big battle between Magneto, the savior of the mutant race, and the evil lord tyrant Apocalypse. Telford Porter was sent by Apocalypse to try to steal and destroy Magneto's heart by capturing Charles. Now, when he finally actually gets to Charles, he thinks it's going to be an easy cakewalk because the only person who is there to stop him is the robotic Nanny. But he's in for a surprise because Nanny all of a sudden just whips out an incredible vast array of weaponry and just absolutely murders Porter. When Pietro's team of mutants returned to the base, the only thing that they found were the dead infinites and Porter's corpse. By that time, Bishop and Magneto had both been captured, with the Bishop being taken to the Madride Church in Quebec for interrogation by the Shadow King, while Magneto was taken to Apocalypse's own citadel in New York City. Forced to choose between saving his family and the fate of the world, Pietro divided the mutants into two teams, with Alice and Blair and Benet du Paris sent to locate Charles, while Pietro led the woman he loved, Aurora Monroe, along with Sean Cassidy on a mission to save Bishop, abandoning his father to protect the world. Thank you for listening to this episode of Multiversal Cues, the Age of Apocalypse. Please come back tomorrow night for part four of the podcast, and stay tuned for our special, The Lifestyles of the Rich, the Famous, and the Maestro.